Imagine if we could get all the politicians to do yoga and chill them out. Not only would we be able to convince them of the benefits of yoga, not just for health, but for us culturally as a society, we might even end up with world peace. Well, we don't have to imagine because last week I was in London at the Minded Institute and I met a woman who has not only managed to get politicians doing yoga, but been a driving force behind the all-party parliamentary group on yoga and society, um, which is a group of politicians from all the different parties in the UK coming together to discuss and look at the research on the possible benefits of yoga uh, as, a, as a healthcare intervention. It's similar to something that happened a few years ago with the Mindfulness All-Party Parliamentary Group, which was politicians from all different parties coming together to discuss the research and benefits of mindfulness. And they did a report, uh, I think it was 2016, where they um, made a load of recommendations on policy change and it meant that mindfulness was taken a lot more seriously and introduced into schools and for NHS staff and into hospitals, for pain management, for all kinds of different things that would have probably not been taken seriously a few years before. I managed to talk to Heather Mason, who's the founder of the Yoga and Healthcare Alliance and the Secretariat for the All-Party Parliamentary Group on Yoga and Society. Um, and I got to talk to her about her journey to making this thing happen. And um, you may also be able to hear her dog, Minnie, in the background, who was noisily showing off her yoga skills as well. Uh, so yeah, I hope you enjoy the interview. Minnie, where did you put the breathing buddy that I gave you? We're going to get in trouble. Where is it? Okay. <laughs> so this is the first time I've done it as a podcast, actually. Okay. So yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Um, okay. So welcome to the first ever episode of the Draw Breath podcast. Um, we are broadcasting live from a secret location because we're at the centre of a revolution in yoga. Uh, and I'm here with the leader of this revolution. My guest today... Um, <laughs> well, I've got two guests, actually. I've got Heather Mason from the Minded Institute and also her dog, Minnie, who is very mischievous. Um, for those who don't know about Heather, Heather spent three years traveling around Southeast Asia as a young woman, uh, spending time in various different monasteries and retreats, uh, learning to meditate and then also learning to become a yoga teacher and teaching other people to meditate before coming to the UK to cement what she learned by doing a master's in Buddhist studies. But one master's wasn't enough for Heather, so she did another master's in Buddhist-based psychotherapy. Um, but two masters just wasn't quite enough, so she went to Harvard to study neuroscience? Oh, I wish I went to Harvard. No, um, Roehampton University. Roehampton University. Um, but neuroscience wasn't quite hard enough, so she decided to change to do a master's in medical physiology. Um, and then she's gone on to teach medical students at Harvard, is that right? I did 
I taught on their mind-body medicine class. Yes. And I did an entire course at the Boston University School of Medicine for three years running. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then she came to the UK, so she's not a native of the UK, you can probably tell from her voice, um, and set up the Minded Institute, which is nearly in its 10th year here in London. Um, so that's just ruined our secret location. <laughs> um, but we're in London, you do not Exactly, know. yeah, but you could Google it. <laughs> um, and Heather's also, as if she didn't have enough to do, uh, the director of the Yoga and Healthcare Alliance, which is a social enterprise devoted to integrating yoga into the NHS and getting it to people who need it. And I'm guessing through that role, she's ended up being the secretariat. The other way around. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) We can get into that in a sec. But um, she's also the secretariat for the all-party parliamentary group on yoga in society. Heather, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And just to be clear, um, I moved here before finishing those degrees, and Ah. I was living between nations. Yeah, wow. Okay. So (laughs) nations including the nations of Southeast Asia, by the sounds of it. Yeah, all over. And then for a while between the UK and US. Yeah. Brilliant. So, I mean, it's... It took me a while to memorise all of that, and I even got most of it wrong, how to check my notes. It's a long story, it's a, a big journey, and I just wonder, did you, did, what made you go on that journey? Did you get where you wanted to go? What's the story behind? Well, I don't think I ever knew where I would end up. And I don't, I didn't really have a plan. Maybe now I have kind of a plan, but back then I didn't. I left Manhattan, which is my home, to go to Southeast Asia because I was depressed Mm. and anxious. Mm. And I didn't know what PTSD was when I left in 2000. In fact, loads of people didn't know what PTSD was Mm -hmm. because it only became recognized as a disorder in 1980. So it's still relatively new. I did not know that. Yeah. And um, from there came the desire to understand more about the practice. I almost became a nun, which is why I did the first degree to clarify, is this what I want to do? Um, And then I realized yoga was an easier inroads for people. And I wanted to help them because when you transform your life so significantly, you usually want to bring that to other people. Mm -hmm. And I did. Mm -hmm. And then each way along my journey or each step was like, an attempt, at least in the educational sphere, to clarify what knowledge I needed in order to be providing evidence-based treatments to the people I was seeing, and then to speak to the medical community because it's not enough to be something more focused for spiritual aspirants or for recreation. It needs to be something I believe in healthcare. And so what did I need to know in order to be able to speak to people that were decision makers? That's really interesting because there's almost a, well, there is a a development in the things you're studying. So it's like Mm. starting with the philosophy in Buddhism and then going into the mind, the the psychotherapy, and then to the brain with neuroscience and then to the body with the physiology. So it's really fascinating. I think you must have some really holistic knowledge of of all of that. Um, And I I wonder, because you mentioned that the evidence-based, and that's a really really interesting point you mentioned. Mm. Um, is that something that is different about the Minded Institute? 
Um, I don't think I'm alone in trying to bring the evidence in to a yoga therapy training or yoga therapy trainings. I think that any form of yoga therapy is attempting to understand what research is present and the physiological correlates of movement, breathing, and meditation to align that to the offerings that we are giving to clients based upon what they're presenting with. But I guess what's unique about the Minded Institute is how much depth we go into Mm -hmm. in that regard, given that I've done these degrees in neuroscience and physiology. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that are unique, but then I don't know every single school. So one of them might say, well, we have that, you know? So so are you mainly delivering teacher training here? What is the purpose of the Minded Institute? Yeah, it's primarily trainings for professionals, for yoga teachers, yoga professionals, I like to call them, and for then health professionals, from everyone from doctors and nurses, psychologists, psychotherapists, Mm -hmm. physiotherapists, um, social workers, etc. Healers, basically. Healers, yeah, 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 healers. It's a nice broad term. We also have a clinic on Wednesdays, which Elaine Collins runs, and we try and work with the community. But in terms of distilling out what the Minded Institute does as Mm. an institute, Mm. it is focused on sharing knowledge with professionals doing that training. Mm. Um, And so it's, uh, I've I've spoken to a few people here at the Minded Institute, and is there a focus on yoga therapy? Because it's it's almost like you guys were before this huge expansion of mindfulness, which sort of started Mm. about eight years ago, I'd say. And you guys have obviously been around for nearly 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, have, have you noticed things changing in those industries? Is there more of a merging of yoga and mindfulness or less of a merging? <laughs> <laughs> it's such an interesting question. I mean, we also, you know, include mindfulness in everything we do. Mm-hmm. Because I guess living in a monastery for three years, mindfulness yeah. is a core aspect of my practice. I don't know if they if there's really been a change about regarding the merging mm. or moving away from each other and mm-hmm. there being some kind of divergence. I think instead what's happened is an increased recognition of the value of both. And I know many yogis who practice mindfulness, although yoga will claim that mindfulness is inherent, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but mindfulness as it is taught within Buddhism. Yeah. And I know many Buddhists who practice yoga. So I think in the real world, mm. they're overlapping. Yeah. There still seems to be this divide in terms of trainings. And because mindfulness was able to create this these two models, really, mm. mindfulness-based stress reduction, MBSR, and mindfulness-based cognitive therapy that everyone kind of agrees on that can be researched, it's been able to be maybe more easily integrated at an earlier stage into the health systems here than yoga therapy. Because yoga is such a diverse tradition, nobody wants it to become a specific blueprint that everybody has to mm-hmm. teach. And that's something we need to be really sensitive about. Mm. That's really interesting, and it sort of takes yeah. me on to one of the other things that I want to talk to you about, which is the the yoga and uh, healthcare alliance. alliance. <laughs> um, and so, so it, what what is the yoga and healthcare alliance? First of all, and how does that affect you know what the difference mm-hmm. in, in that mindfulness is something that's relatively easy to standardize, mm-hmm. and then obviously you just touched on some of the issues with yoga, and I wonder. Have you come up against those with uh, with what you're doing with the yoga and healthcare? 
Is that the attitude? Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, what is it? I was thinking to say something funny, like it's a secret mind control technique. Let <laughs> me <laughs> just use this front. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Yoga and Healthcare Alliance is, mm-hmm. like you said, it's a social enterprise which was established in order to work with both leaders in healthcare, mm-hmm. so that at the policy level, and at the grassroots to support the integration of yoga into the NHS, Mm -hmm. and then for that to also serve internationally as a template for how other governments might consider integrating yoga into their own systems, albeit there are various other countries that are doing that effectively Mm. on their own. Really, already? Yeah, um, but we're still at the forefront. There's just a handful of nations around the world that are working towards this, and we were really fortunate the Yoga and Healthcare Alliance to be commissioned by the West London Clinical Commissioning Group to create a 10-week course for the early intervention of conditions which are very prevalent in society and also cost the NHS lots of money. And that was depression, anxiety, um, pre-diabetes, and people at risk for a cardiovascular event in the next 10 years, which is measured by something called a Q-score of 10, and socially isolated. So that has been remarkable, and um, I can't share evidence yet of that evaluation, but it is positive. I'll just say that. Yes, very, very positive. Um, And to answer your other question, I think that there is a push and pull, Mm. you know, because there are so many different styles of yoga, and people don't want to feel that what is offered in healthcare is not their style. And I can appreciate and understand that. And I think that what we need to look forward to is having guidance around best practice rather than saying it needs to be this style, this style, this style, or this style. And then the other challenge we face is that when you bring it into the health services, which is ecumenical, you have to take what it. What is ecumenical? <laughs> Incorporating all religions. It's it's okay. even more than ecumenical. It's non-denominational and non-religious, mm. which it needs to be in order to appreciate the value systems of this incredibly rich melting pot of people mm. and their beliefs. And so I know that there is a tension because if you take out all the Sanskrit words and you take out some of the spiritual concepts, although you can add them in, in other kinds of language, some Mm. people feel that you are drawing out the real meat of yoga. And I hear that. Mm. And I understand that challenge. And at the same time, I feel, well, let's give them what they're willing to try. Let's not hold back teaching them pranayama and asana, or if they want to call it breath work Mm -hmm. and posture. And meditation because they don't want to adopt a yoga worldview and so yeah there I think that you see that come up more in the yoga world than in the mindfulness yeah. world and so if, if um, it all goes ahead uh, yeah. if, you, if you achieve this aim um, is there something different that a yoga based what, what did you call it uh, it's like a yoga like a yoga, a standardized yoga, like an intervention. Yeah, yoga like training. a something that could be almost used as medicine, basically. Mm-hmm. That's a standardized mm-hmm. yoga practice. Um, would there be a benefit to that versus a mindfulness 
course. I, would it be an eight-week thing? So what would be the benefit of yoga over mindfulness? Mm. Ooh, mindfulness people, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I do think in some ways that there is. Mm. And I say that as an avid Theravadan Buddhist practitioner of mm. mindfulness. Mm. Because the thing is that within yoga, because you're working with the breath and body, you are able to calm the nervous system more effectively. I'm sure in some of your other podcasts, they've talked about the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve, 80% of its pathways are afferent, meaning going from the body to the brain, and is the main mediator of this rest and digest or friend, tend and befriend response. We want to be able to activate it and can do so more effectively through our breathing and through our movement. And if one is going to sit down and watch their mind, one often needs to be calm to begin with because the mind is very unruly. And when you deal with people with health issues, whether those are mental health issues, where obviously it's going to be the biggest challenge, or physical health issues where you might start thinking, God, I'm aching right now, or, you know what, this is really horrible that I have this particular condition, and now that I'm sitting here in silence, I'm ruminating. It facilitates greater ease if you have that sense of parasympathetic relaxation, right? which is the part of the system that is tend and befriend, mm. rest and digest. So in that way, I think it's easier. And I can speak very much from personal experience because I sat for three years in silence doing some yoga, but doing much more mindfulness. And it was incredibly incredibly challenging Mm -hmm. and definitely more challenging than when I had done intensive yoga practice and I think it was the best thing I ever did all that mindfulness but Mm -hmm. I also recognize how much energy I had to have to do it do you think it would have been quicker than the well the the three years do you think it would have been easier had you been doing body-based practices as well I do. Yeah. I absolutely do. But I also believe things happen for a reason. And maybe I particularly needed to go through the dark night of the soul and manage that mind that for two years tormented me until I got through the other end. And Mm. I was like, okay, I can now balance this thing. Mm. And so is there a potential as well that that would reach, if it's yoga-based, it can reach people who maybe mindfulness wouldn't be applicable for? I believe that, and I know that the mindfulness community disputes it, Mm. but I do. You know, in its original iteration, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, um, I think it was John Teasdale, one of the creators of that model, wrote that it wouldn't be appropriate for people in the throes of current depression because the mental faculties needed in order to practice it were the very things that these people were lacking at that time. However, fast forward to 2019, we now have trials and successful work using mindfulness and suicidality, which is, right, the most acute form of being depressed, as well as within psychosis. But these programs generally make modifications and do use more movement. Mm. So the answer is not, I don't want to answer simply. I want to answer accurately as possible even if that doesn't make it simple to express it to somebody else Mm. no i I only ask because from what i'm seeing there's potential for really simple pranayama stuff to reach people with trauma Mm. uh, in a way that mindfulness maybe wouldn't be appropriate for 
Um, I 100% agree. Yeah. That's why, you know, I want to do that breath day on May 30th for the whole of London. Well, oh, really? Okay. Oh, you don't know about that? No. Yeah. So I'm planning I've... along with some other people that you would probably know, but I'm not going to name them yet. <laughs> um, a huge event on May 30th for the entire city, maybe for the nation, teaching them coherent breathing an elongated oceanic breath, or if we use the Sanskrit, Ujjayi breath, because I think it's the most simplistic public health intervention and very few people are going to struggle to be able to do it. Mm, and cool. will benefit quickly. And how, how can people listening to this find out more about that? So it's May 30th. Watch, watch this space. You're going to hear about it all over the place. Oh, wow. It's just a matter of, we, we have um, a meeting coming up and I don't want to make announcements about where to find stuff okay. until we all have our co- sure. collective okay, ducks in cool. order. Watch the space. Yeah. Watch the space, yeah. Um, so the uh, Yoga and Healthcare Alliance, that's come after your role as secretariat for the mind... Uh, sorry? No, well, kind of, sort of. <laughs> it's complicated. What happened yeah. was I was already having meetings in Parliament about yoga and healthcare. And then it was decided an APPG should be formed. Mm-hmm. And it was also decided that there needed to be an organization that could act on behalf of the APPG because an APPG can send in policy and ideas, but it mm-hmm. can't really do things in the world, an all-party parliamentary group. Yeah. So that was... And just, just for the people yeah. listening who don't know what that is, oh, yeah. an all-party parliamentary group is where members of every different political party kind of come together is that correct yeah to to because it's something that needs to on an issue they're interested in that wouldn't make it to the national docket for you know um into the chambers of Mm. house of commons and lords because it's not brexit or healthcare or you know anything else human rights or something like that shocking news yeah (laughs) yeah um and and so when it was decided that the yoga a AAPG. APPG. APPG. It's okay. I know. <laughs> Should be formed. Um, was that on the basis of some of the success of the mindfulness APPG? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we recognized that them that was having a lot of clout and impact, and also that we just wanted to be able to speak to central government. Mm-hmm. And one of the easiest ways to do that initially is to form an APPG. But by one of the easiest ways, it's still really, 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 really hard. hard. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the attitude been of, of the members of parliament that you've met so far towards this? I feel like they're very supportive. But unfortunately, in the time frame that the APPG was formed, which was um, in the beginning of 2018... We've been dealing with this little old thing called Brexit. <laughs> mm, and that's kind of taking up everyone's time. Yeah, I can really see it. I can really see how that, I don't know what to call it. Mm. Let's just call it a referendum. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just keep it neutral. Yeah. How that referendum and vote has impacted the ability to engage in other things. So I hope that in whatever way it's sorted is... Um, were able to get more support. The mindfulness APPG existed before then and very intelligently took a few hundred parliamentarians mm. through mindfulness-based stress reduction before they launched their APPG. Uh-huh. So they had a very large group of converted people. Mm. And I actually teach 
part um, in the House of Lords. I teach yoga there as well. But really? Again, really? Yeah, that yeah, happens? Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. We teach chair yoga to them because they don't want to sweat. And I really get that. You have to make it bespoke to their needs. Mm. And they express what their primary complaints were. Mm-hmm. And so we built a program for them around their needs. Mm. But again, that didn't run because of the prorogation. Oh. Yes. Right. <laughs> but it had run previously. Yes. So um, you're incredibly busy. <laughs> really? Yes. Now you understand um, why it was so hard to get in yes, touch with yes. me. Uh, this is a very exclusive interview because <laughs> Helen's a very busy lady. So you, do you have time still for personal practice? And if so, what do you do? My pers- I have less time than I'd like. I'm going to mm. be honest with mm. you. I could come on here and say, yes, of course <laughs> I do. And that's something I'm really trying to balance. Mm. Um, when I do my personal practice, it's so varied. I, I value so many different kinds of systems. And I feel like, depending upon my mood, one thing suits better than the mm-hmm. other. So I do coherent breathing. I love Wim Hof's method of really? breathing. Yeah. I do that sometimes. Sometimes I do really strong, crazy asana that I wouldn't teach mm. to the health populations. And sometimes I hardly want to move in my asana, you know, mm. and just like slightly move my joints. And do you, do you find mixing it up like that keeps you more engaged and interested and curious about new things? Like, you know, you must have adopted the Wim Hof method pretty recently. So <laughs> your, your eyes are still open to new things. You're not set in one personal practice at all I'm really open but the one thing that never leaves me is the mindfulness I'm walking down the street and I notice I'm having negative thoughts Mm. I'm trying to penetrate that or I'm not seeing various different angles I remind myself that I've closed down into a limited perspective Mm -hmm. and I want to acknowledge that note it and look at it so the mindfulness is like with me every waking moment brilliant Thank you, Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> and all it took was three years in the monastery. No, it didn't really. 16 hours a day. <laughs> um, so my last question is a question that I'm asking everybody that I'm interviewing. Um, if people listening to this could change one thing today or do one thing today that will improve their well-being tomorrow, what would you, what would you have them do? I would say elongate your exhalation learning what ocean breath is, which is a kind of guttural sound, which you can find anywhere, calling it ujjayi breath. Natural inhalation, long exhalation, don't do it less for seven minutes. And I could give you all of the scientific reasons why, but I know so, we so have to- So do it seven minutes? Mi- minimum. Minimum, okay. Do it seven minutes minimum. That is what I would recommend. And I would also say, well, no, you asked one thing, so I'm just going to stick with that. Well, that's the one thing. We'll never know what the other thing was. <laughs> the other thing is let go of things that you don't know about. <laughs> Heather Mason, yes. thank you so much for joining me. If, if people want to know more, what can they do to, can they follow you or can they? Hmm. They can follow me um, on Facebook. Facebook. And the Yoga for Health Alliance, the Yoga and Healthcare Alliance, sorry. That's because I keep getting yes. for the interview. <laughs> Um, has a Facebook page and so does uh, the Minded Institute and you can also go to either of those websites Brilliant. Um, and you can come down to the Institute if you'd like as well to, to see what's going on but maybe contact us because we might have a program on I have to say as well I'm, I'm currently on a workshop at the Institute and it's an absolutely beautiful space 
Um, Heather, thanks so much. It's been so interesting. Thank you. Cheers. Namaste. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Heather and what she gets up to at the Minded Institute, you can go to themindedinstitute.com. You can also check out her work with the Yoga and Healthcare Alliance, which is yogainhealthcarealliance.com. And if you enjoyed some of the themes in today's uh, interview, um, you can also check out my other interviews, either on the podcast or on my YouTube channel, which is also called Draw, Draw Breath where I interview other um, experts, authors, researchers, and educators in mindfulness, yoga, breathwork, and creativity and well-being. And if you are interested in any of those themes, you might be interested in my new book as well, Draw Breath, The Art of Breathing, which teaches you really simple breathing techniques, really simple mindfulness techniques, and really simple relaxation techniques using drawing. Um, Really easy drawing exercises that anyone can do Um, So it makes the whole learning process interactive and fun. And if that sounds interesting to you, you can check out the reviews on Amazon. Uh, If you search for Draw Breath, The Art of Breathing, and it's by me, Tom Granger, you can also have a go on some free exercises that you can download and print at home at drawbreath.com. I'm really excited about sharing my next podcast with you. uh, So look out for that and maybe hit subscribe. Uh, Yeah, thanks for listening.